Am I allowed to cook Korean food? Because he's he's not adopted. He's not adopted. Sort of he's like first gen, first gen Korean. And so. aren't you technically too? Other than I'm the Gen Zero, but I was raised by white people. I don't know anything but like American culture. He knows like Gen Zero culture as immigrants to America, like mm-hmm. you know, parents like putting a lot of pressure, like the stereotypical Asian parent, like mm-hmm. you know. You need to be successful. Don't be a failure. We came here with nothing, so you could be successful. Don't waste, like, you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that. I was, you know, like, if it's interesting being an adoptee because I've never met anybody I've ever been blood related to, you know? But I know for a fact that my parents wanted me. That's not what I said. You're like, he has the same kind of eyes. <laughs> I was like, who, John? Trey, <laughs> you are, you're kind of blocked on that one. I don't know if you're worried about that. Fucking <coughs> blocked. You, you're the star of the show. <laughs> okay, oh, we're recording right now? We are, yes. Oh, tight. Welcome to the next episode of the Dropcast. We're episode uh, 17. 17. With, uh, we got Sean Marshall, Chef Sean Marshall, and our good friend Matt Wilkin, who you've seen before. If you've kept Episode up. 13. Who knows? Um, but yeah, first time with four people. Let's see how that goes. This is the first time with four people? Yeah. First time, yeah, we broke out that one fresh out the box just for you guys. Oh, nice. I'm here for fact checking and color commentary. Yep. Cool. And um, musical interludes. Sweet. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Perfect today is, for that. Today's also an interesting day because it's 100 degrees outside. It's that Wednesday where they said it's going to be 106 real feel. So I already have a little sweat spot on my chest. I got the AC cranking. See what we can do here. Um, see who passes out first. Right. It's not that bad in here. It's no, pretty, it's, I, I thought it was going to be way cool. worse. No, yeah, we're good. Well, you're I used was, to kitchen temperatures, so. I was yeah. also concerned. I called John. John's like, you want to do it this this weekend or whatever? And I was like, it's supposed to be hot as hell. You live on the third <laughs> floor. What? Yeah, the studio is on the third floor. Yeah, um, yeah it's not that bad, though. Vaulted ceilings, as you can tell. Mm-hmm. It's classic Ipsy bullcrap. Um, I also threw out my back the other day, so I got a big old ice pack on me right now, so I'm good. The rest staying right. extra cool. Yeah, we're kind of jealous of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, Where's our it ice feels packs? great. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so we brought... Uh, my back hurts. <laughs> this episode sponsored by Icy Hot. We brought Sean on the show because um, he's been a good friend of mine, and uh, I think he's got a cool story to tell. Um, you also just had a pop-up last weekend on that other day that was incredibly hot. What was it, Sunday? Yeah, I got heat exhaustion. That sucked. Yeah. That, was a, that was a horrible introduction to Sean. You are an amazing chef. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> done yet. I just started talking about it. I was going <laughs> I for it. I don't know. You're just kind of like, well, about all that? I get all I wasn't weird even done. Do all right, take it, take it, take the torch. Sean is a top star, multi-Michelin star chef, certified. He was on the show Chef's Table. He actually was trained by Gordon Ramsay himself. Actually, uh, fathered Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, I'm gonna need uh, Matt to fact check that for me. <laughs> it's not. It's not on Wikipedia. He's like checks out. <laughs> Snopes. Uh, yeah, artificial insemination. <laughs> oh, <okay>. Yeah. <clears throat> Congratulations on your son's success. Appreciate it. Yeah. And he's your time a, traveling. He's ability. a wild one, that Gordon. <laughs> well, yeah. Tell us what's up, man. How you been? 
What have you been up to? Uh, lot of stuff, man. Oh, sorry, drifted off there. Um, a lot of stuff, man. Um, we don't cut this, has, by the way. What? We, we don't, don't cut. We don't cut. Cut that out. No, we don't. <laughs> I'm gonna say that a lot. So like, yeah, just cut We're that. not gonna cut any of it out. Yeah, just so you just know. Just snip that. No snipping. We'll put an ad in right there. I'm watching no the ads. engagement right now. Just go down. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. So I mean, <clears throat> I've been working on my career for probably the last well over a decade, twelve years. Yeah, I started cooking right out of high school, um, but I've had some health issues for a long time since before that. Mm-hmm. In my adolescence, uh, diabetes led to all sorts of complications, like an amputation of half my foot and uh, kidney disease. You're just going in there for it with everything. I was just yeah. saying, like, what you've been up to recently. Oh, <laughs> just cut that out. We'll just sniff. <laughs> we can take that and we'll just move it towards the end. <laughs> then credits. What about up to recently? Uh, I moved to Detroit. That's been sick. Yeah, we went to. Uh, Flowers of Vietnam, that place was amazing. Yeah. The cuisine out there is... Good food, good food. Primo. Yeah, it's nice to be uh, close to the heartbeat of like... Uh, I mean, we're no international city, but we're at least a metropolitan, you know... Got some more options than Ipsy. Yeah, well, yeah, I got some more <laughs> options than Ipsy for sure. Um, Dude, I was on set with somebody the other day, and they, they were like, wow, you live in Ipsy? You have all the great food options. And I they, thought to myself, I was like... What they kind of aren't wrong though, because like before there's like a, eight p.m. maybe. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> there's anywhere. there's a lot of good like hole in the wall like ethnic food in Ipsy. I will give them that. Like there is yeah, like Hana. Hana, great. I've been going there for thirty years. <laughs> but awesome. then like what else? Mm, I mean, Bon Mi's great at Faux House. Pita Pita's got some good Lebanese food. It's true. Um, we got a Moroccan place, you know. Maybe I'm just spoiled. Bellflower. Yeah, Bellflower. Get a little taste you. of Louisiana. Sean, how do you feel about Bellflower? Give us your full, honest opinion. Honest opinion? I had gone a couple times. I like their lunch. Uh, so Bellflower, sandwich. real quick, for those of you that don't know, is a new, newer restaurant in the past couple of years that does a little bit higher-end Louisiana Cajun-style cooking. Or like, kind would of. That, would you yeah, classify they, it as Louisiana? Or like, well, they try to encompass it's like a, like just southern cuisine. Like yeah. the, everything from like the eastern seaboard seaboard to like you know gulf of mexico so yeah really like the one of the finer if not the finest places or like upper scale places to dine in yeah Ipsy, i mean did I would say? top restaurant in michigan last year or something like that i don't i swear my phone's charging that. but i swear but it got like a really prestigious award matt's on it yeah there we go <laughs> there we go i like it um you know i Talk softer and get the mic closer to your face. I'll eat it. All right. Yeah, there we go. That's what I want to hear. Sorry, my voice is kind of messed up too. I've been really... uh, It's okay. These allergies have been killing me lately. Get you some water eventually. One of three best new restaurants of 2020. In Michigan. In Michigan. In Michigan, yes. There we go. Really? Wow. What's the publication? (laughs) Gawker. Um, James Beard. (laughs) (laughs) Bellflower Weekly. (laughs) Daily Mail. that's That's a Michigan... Newspaper, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it has to be, yeah. .uk? Mm-hmm. I, I, my fact-checking skills are, I don't know. Where's Jamie? The .uk does throw me off. 
But but yeah, what are your thoughts on on their whole shebang? What they're doing over there? Uh, it's a beautiful restaurant. Um, their architecture firm was great. Um, they designed the place out of a really weird shaped place. Um, this is so much more tame than all the other opinions you've given me about them in the past. Well, I'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> Lunch was great. I'm gonna say all the good things first. Lunch was great. Uh, the Po boys that they do, they do a limited lunch menu, just sandwiches, po boys, shrimp, oyster, catfish. I think I've had mm-hmm. something like that. I think their bread's a little overrated. Like everybody loves their po boys for their bread, but I can have a Belfour sandwich every like couple months. I feel like yeah, they're gut. Bombs. Yeah, I haven't had one in a minute. I had one when just they first last week. opened up. I wanted to check them out. They are mm-hmm. slappers, but you, they your body remembers them. So yeah, you don't really have your to. body remembers them, and you want to like <laughs> yeah take some time out of your day to sleep after oh yeah it's a bomb in your stomach if you're eating like a sandwich (laughs) um i guess their wine program is pretty good i've had good wines there i went for dinner twice um both experiences weren't very good the service was just like very mediocre like they they didn't like clear any of my plates before setting down shit on the table that were empty plates was this early on or was this like recently this is early on uh, mm. So, you know, I'll give them that. I went both times early on. So there's there's that. There's a handicap there. Um, also, the food, just a lot of things just didn't make sense um, as far as the dishes went, in my opinion. Like what was on the plate, uh, things weren't balanced as far as like acids, fats, salts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the portions were kind of weird. Um, you know, I, I could chime in all day about every restaurant i haven't had like a like super satisfying meal where i couldn't gripe about anything in like a very long time i just remember when but they opened I'm up just a bitch about that kind of stuff you know what i'm saying yeah i just remember when they opened up i was like telling you i was like you need to get your foot in that door and then like take it over um like menu wise and you were telling me you're like nah, i don't want to do that i don't want to do any of that well they also like have a chef that open the concept he's friends with the owner mm-hmm. um i know of him i've worked with some people that have worked with him seems like a great nice guy like i don't want to i'm not trying to step on toes i'm mm-hmm. not even trying to step on toes in ipsy because it's not like what i do like i'm not i'm not here to like show anybody up i'm just here to put my shit out there whoa what was Remix. that the podcast gods um the way you you talked about food just there was pretty interesting and i feel like you kind of view food in a very hyper analytical way kind of the same way we would view like films now like i can't watch films the same way that i did before i kind of got into cameras and stuff now i'm just only paid paying attention to like lighting and the like, shot types and the acting going on and the story being told it's like we're completely different as before when i like uh wasn't into media as much but uh how you were talking about like just the a- the acids, the fats, and like balancing a plate like that, I think is is so pretty unique. Those are the four things you need for everything, right? It's it's acid, fat, um, salt, salt. And That's really all you need. Yeah. They say, heat. I mean, like there's a heat. show. It's like heat, but yeah, you don't yeah, eat yeah, heat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking salads. Dude. Yeah, because like salads the, are delicious. the fat needs the acidity to get cut, and then like the the salt also needs to complement both, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an enhancement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what you've, like, I want you to talk a little bit about kind of where, so like you have been in the kitchen since you were a little kid cooking and stuff. 
but yeah. you've kind of evolved from like working in kitchens to now like doing your own thing with these unique style pop-ups but like with your pop-ups there's other companies like around the area that do pop-ups but yours are definitely i feel way more elevated as far as the food that you're serving and then even to your private dinners too that's like a whole elevated thing so like i would love for you to hear chime in about those and how those kind of came to be or like Uh, why you chose to go that like route you know well i think the difference between me and a lot of pop-ups that are kind of like um emerging and popular right now besides a few are um a lot of the guys that kind of have followed the same footsteps i have either go into more of a management position in like a brick and mortar or find their own concepts with a brick and mortar, which I'm still like, thriving to do, but medical situations have kind of set me back. And that's what kind of um, forced me into the pop-up game. Whereas the rest of the um, ecosystem of like pop-ups that kind of generated from a necessity a from COVID yeah. um, are kind of, a lot of them are home cooks or a lot of them are, greener cooks trying to get a leg up and you're so, kind of in a, you're in like a whole different category as far as like this higher end chef or like sous chef kind of or not sous chef but like bigger bigger than just like a like you said a home cook or something of that nature um, and you were saying of like following that kind of trend of either like getting in that managerial role in a company or like in a restaurant or creating your own restaurant like that's seems like the options when becoming a chef you know like trying to climb that ladder and so you correct me if i'm wrong yeah you vocalized in the past that you really want full creative control and like control over basically everything in a restaurant and food wise yeah 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 um yeah i definitely have i'm pretty ocd about um i guess my message to the guest what they're receiving from me Mm-hmm. I don't want that to be altered too much. So I'm definitely like the last person to see what goes out um, and kind of put my name on it and sign it off before it's consumed or. Well, and you also talked about like the architecture at Bellflower. So like the space in which you're serving food. Um, Cause like, I kind of see you as an, a, an artist beyond just food. There's it's a whole experience. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, maybe talk about that. Like, the ambiance, like, what are you trying to create for your guests beyond just dank food? Yeah. Sean also has really good taste. I mean, everything from the key rings that are on your keys to like, like a lot of the trinkets in your bedroom and stuff like that. It's all very specific, Sean. I know. appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I do have like a, you know, a specific taste or aesthetic that you know I just see in my head. You know, like just searching for that. You know, Socrates perfect circle. You know, you never really quite get it, but you're always thriving. I try to, I don't even necessarily try to do that with everything that I do or have or pursue, but it's, it's not necessarily on the forefront of my mind, but it's something that's always kind of there that I'm just like, well, I can do that better. I need to do that better. I need to like make it more efficient. I need to make it prettier. I need to make it like tastier, whatever it may be. And I mean, um, you even did that to yourself too. When you, I mean, because your your whole entire body is completely covered in cu- like custom tattoos and like drawings that you feel yeah, like important yeah, to you. I, and like yes and no, though, because like I also 
respect other artists and really want them to do what they do. Mm -hmm. Um, A perfect example is um, my graphic design guy for like all of my um, pop-up concept stuff um, is an old friend of mine um, and he really works pro bono. I'm like, dude, when I can afford to pay, I'm going to take good care of you. But like Trey likes his stuff until then, Mm -hmm. like he's just really happy to pour some creative energy into something. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the, uh, shout out to, to Mark Y. He's the uh, graphic designer for uh, the Museum of Art in Toledo. Um, so he like, uh, he designs like, you know, like placards and exhibit stuff, like special things that come in and out of the museum. And, um, yeah, every time I ask him to do something, I'm just like, yo, do what you think. I trust you. Like, your shit is beautiful. These are the words I need on there. Make sure they're spelled correctly. Other than that, fucking do your thing because it's always just stellar work. Mm-hmm. Uh, these last menus he put out, I could frame and put up on my walls and they look like posters. Like, they're mm-hmm. sick. Yeah, they're pretty nice. And then, you know, we got connections at uh, shout out to... Small Works in Detroit, they're like a little like communist printing company that just like helps out small businesses and prints for free very, very high quality prints. So they got a, a um, they do letterpress and resto and um, beautiful work. Always do it for free. We try to trade, you know, give them some food. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of what you're trying to get people to do when you're like, hey, I want to do a pop-up at your spot? It's them being able to step forward or step back more rather and just be like, hey, I trust you. Like, give me your food experience. The kind of the same way that you do with the graphic artists and stuff or what? Um, Yes. But again, like if I'm putting my name, my image on something, I definitely want to like make sure I know what's going out. I don't want like some hack representing me. Mm-hmm. But there are like plenty of chefs that are homies of mine that like anything you do man like if i had a spot if i had like a brick and mortar like i'm gonna go take a week off come over bring your menu you can use my guys or bring your own guys whatever we'll figure it out do your thing because Mm -hmm. that's what it should be you know i i don't like all this competition shit Mm-hmm. That's really notorious in like the restaurant industry, like secrets and gatekeeping and all this shit. Like it should be like a more of a community, more of a free trade and like kind of like the way that uh, like Brian and Dave makes pasta and all those guys just kind of click around and share each other's ingredients and food and oh yeah, totally. Like Ipsy's got a great culture for for it. Um, you know, we don't get as many, like I've noticed living in Ipsy and working kind of with the Ann Arbor scene too, is, you know, we don't get as many um, transient chefs that have like, you know, the New York or Chicago or San Francisco experiences Detroit, but we still don't in Detroit either. Like it's, we're, we're not any of those cities and we're kind of far from it. Do you think it's gonna, just a money thing? It's an industry thing. Um, I mean, w- the guy that really owns the city is, uh, you know, Dan Gilbert, and he owns just like a 
rocket. Like it's huge. Mm-hmm. It's a billion like dollar. It's like billions of dollars. Like it's a it's a Fortune 500 company, right? But it's not like Google. Yeah. Like in Seattle, right? Or mm-hmm. or um, not in Seattle, but Silicon like Sa- yeah, San Francisco area, or like you know Starbucks in Seattle, or like you know any like countless places in new york that are just like headquarters Mm -hmm. so there's no like international no real international trade that's going in and out of the city there's no real reason for populations of ethnic groups to kind of populate the city and kind of bring those elements in i mean we have southwest detroit and we have a great like mexican and central american like uh food culture Mm -hmm. but southwest is delicious yeah but like that's kind of it. I mean, we have a small Jamaican culture, or we have a small, or we have a huge Arabic culture. That's great, um, and some Asian cultures north of Detroit. But it's not like you know, it's not like we have boroughs Dude, filled with like these people. It's crazy. I was driving up and down Washington the other day, and I was just like basically just from Gulfside all the way into Ipsy. There's like five or six different Asian restaurants of all different, like there's Vietnamese, there's Japanese, there's Chinese. And then there's also like you said, like Pita Pit, the Moroccan Grill, and just all these different. Pita um, Pita. Pita Pita. You're not Pita Pit, you're right. Plug um, But it was just so interesting to me because I was driving. I was like, man, we do kind of have every single thing on this strip right now. Yeah, I mean, we're lucky in that regard. But like the places I'm talking about have like places the sizes of towns that are just you know, Chinatown, Koreatown, mm. Little Italy, you know? Mm-hmm. That's where things, that's where like famous dishes are developed. You know, Chipino is a San Franciscan uh, a dish that was made by Italian immigrants in Little Italy in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's a... Hmm. It's a anthropological thing almost you know what i do not like though gastropubs oh yeah why is that because i feel like every gastropub you go into is just gonna basically be the same i mean correct me if i'm wrong but every time i go to any of these restaurants like you're driving up north and there's like a place in grand rapids or traverse city or even in depot town and other places where it's just like Hey, you can come here and you can get a burger with fries in it. Like we've got all the same IPAs that everybody else has. We have maple bacon on our burger. Yeah, exactly. Like, do you want a bourbon burger on <laughs> <laughs> some brioche? Like, it's fire with some fried Brussels sprouts. Yeah, exactly. Kimchi? That type of shit. And I'm just like, I mean, that's just a type of restaurant, you know? There's, yeah, there's yeah, but those kind of restaurants. But they're so popular that, in comparison to like a lot of the other. It's also a product of your America's environment. I mean, asses, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you go up north, peep, peep, like try finding something vegetarian. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, okay. It's tough. Mm. Yeah. Are you vegetarian, man? No, I'm not. But so, what's your favorite restaurant you've ever been to? Ever. Favorite restaurant. That's tough. Um, what about you, Trey? What's your favorite restaurant? Mm. Roscoe's Chicken in LA was pretty fire. Takoy is up there. Um, Takoy is that place in Detroit, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's where we had we their short braised uh, or their short ribs. There. No, I have not. The they have like the hot hot oil on it, like where it like crisps up the 
the skin and stuff. Ooh, yeah, it's insane. Where they, like, you pour it over. It's crazy. I'll have to get um, that. Sounds fire. It's insane. Their papaya salad, too. Yeah, I love a good papaya salad. The papaya so salad good. we had at um, Flowers Vietnam was amazing. Yeah, it was spice it with the peanuts in it. Ooh. So good. That's always a, w- a weird question. Like, what's your favorite restaurant? So it's what's your like, favorite food? What's your then? favorite music? You know, and it kind of depends on the day. Like, you yeah. Know, like, on a hot summer day, I like listening to reggae. Like, what's your, what's your death row meal? Death row meal might be Hana. Yeah. Old uh, Japjay. Mine okay. would definitely be some sort of Korean barbecue and sushi. For real? Oh, yeah. Nice. Some good shit. What about you, Matt? An almond. <laughs> One like, single chocolate. I like a nice almond. crisp cold apple. Ooh, nice. What kind? What, what variety? That actually sounds kind of nice. I, I mean, I'm a honey crisper for sure. Okay, mm. I feel that. Maybe like a little bit of crunchy peanut butter to dip it in. Yeah, like, yeah. that's some good stuff. <laughs> but uh, a cold one. I like an apple yeah, out yeah, of the yeah, refrigerator. Yeah, super cold. Sliced up. Yep. The, the yep. condensation adds to the juiciness of the apple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds really good right now. I've always wondered about... John, go fetch us some apples. (laughs) You got some in the fridge, I wish I had some apples. I've always wondered about death row meals. Like, how... Do you have a menu that you get to choose from, and is it just like... Do they even still do that anymore? Well, if you open it up and it's like, fooled you, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Same shit you've been eating. Who was it? Which one of the serial killers ordered like a huge, huge, elaborate meal, and they did it, and then when they got there, he only took one bite and was like, I'm just kidding. Fuck you guys. (laughs) That's what I'm... Because I've heard stories where it's Mm -hmm. like they had to go out and get these meals, but like... I want to eat the warden's daughter. beef. (laughs) (laughs) like... Warded it, you gotta do it. Death row meal, sorry. Uh, it's a dying wish. Um, but yeah, that is a good question because, like, when it comes to um, favorite restaurants, I would have to say mine would definitely be Miki, but there, it's not because of the food, but it's just because, like, I used to work there. I get treated very well there. You get, like, free soup and salad, and it's, like, damn good. That's that place soup. that rubs your feet, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 no. It's got the monkeys with the velvet gloves underneath the table. Right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm they just like, have bars in the cages. <laughs> What's a good monkey name? Chim Jim. Chim Jim. Rub my feet. <laughs> Dude, I was in Florida. We went to a monkey sanctuary. It was a bunch of rescue monkeys. There was this orangutan, Pongo, like 30 years old, like 600 pounds, like huge guy. This is a rippier skeleton, like right like we were, out of your flesh. We were throwing, <laughs> we were throwing him peanuts. Him. That we th- <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we were throwing him peanuts, like that they gave us to like give to the monkeys, and you'd throw it to him, and he'd like grab it and stuff, and then put it in his mouth, deshell it, and then like take the shell and just go right back to you and like throw it back at you and then you'd be like like mean joe green like <laughs> come on Thanks, more kid. he'd literally just more more <laughs> oh man damn they're it, there. was, it was really cool but I it was also recently sad on a podcast uh, i think it was uh, dan Harmon's podcast they were talking about what is the name of that podcast again Harmontown. town oh. it's canceled but i'm going back through from the beginning it's a lot of great content um he was talking about uh like animals in the film industry mm-hmm. and working with them and they were talking to one of the handlers and he's like oh so like how does this whole thing work like how do you get First, the orangutan to we shove a bunch of drugs into them <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. well you see this yeah it's yeah. pretty messed up actually <laughs> well no he's like well i mean like when they're young they kind of like just listen to you and but the, with orangutan specifically um, they hit a certain age and they just stop listening to you. <laughs> they just don't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> so 
the he said that his so the handler he was talking to his mentor another animal handler lived with this orangutan mm-hmm. and uh one day he, like he made him get him beer and so he's like oh give me a beer and he'd go to the fridge get him a beer open the beer and give it to him he's like give me a beer and the orangutan didn't do it and he's like well and he just <laughs> took him outside and shot him what <laughs> i was like, literally gonna say like, that because they get like crazy once they know that they don't have to listen to you anymore because That's they abuse, realize bro oh my it's gosh be, it's humane quick what? it's quick Yes, but okay. <laughs> let's reframe, let's reframe how you what you actually mean to say when you say yeah. that. <laughs> I think that's not the best word. Yeah, yeah. Um, no. Are you gonna reset the cameras? Okay, yeah. So, <clears throat> okay, so back to the food stuff, Sean. What is, you said? So we know that Hana's like one of your favorite restaurants, and I know that you love Indian food. But like, if Hana's Korean, by the way, just so what? Just so there's no confusion by the guests. Or from the viewers, Hana is Korean food. Okay. Um, yeah. It is. Sorry, sorry. No, it's okay. I didn't mean to catch off. No, but what I was gonna say is, it's like, like, what, what, what is your like go-to meal? Go-to meal there is. Uh, no, every it's like, if you're just like, what am I? What, what could you eat? And not like not stop eating it. Fuck ramen. Ramen. The cheap shit too. Really? The bad no. stuff. The bad Why? stuff. Why? What? Um, I don't know, man. I just love how salty and like, I'll just like take like three packs and open them up. Three. Put an egg in there. Do you ever Mix. eat them raw? Like the crunchy? I used like to you do that put that all the, put the time. I actually when I was a kid. so like for um, pop ups and shit. I kind of like I really like highbrow, lowbrow. You know. Oh, so like a you, like a low low class, like your dino nuggets kind of thing. Yeah, like the yeah. dino nuggets. That was sick. Yeah, but uh, I'll take like ramen noodles. Think, and just yeah, crunch you them had, up yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've seen or that. how you've used spam in a lot of your meals, and people are like, "This is the greatest food I've ever had in my life." I'd like, be like, "Yeah, yeah. Spam. thirteen bucks, thank you." <laughs> I mean, that's just like <laughs> that's a that's a skill. I feel like to turn uh, or like just to elevate what well, is already just, so subpar, and then like put it up there is pretty cool it's a to do it proper is like there's know, a little you're, bit you're, of like you're bleeding creativity though within this whole chef making food and all of this like your dishes are all paintings or works of art in some way shape or form which all of your stuff and all of your like mentality i feel like is really hand in hand with any type of creative you know it's the same thing Appreciate which is really it. cool it's like an element of fusion you know whether it's highbrow lowbrow fusing those two or you know different styles well, I mean, it's I mean, like really taking them like... real quick like taking a modern painting and throwing it in like a vintage frame or something or like a shit frame or whatever yeah is, that's you know? cool i like that um totally i mean like what appeals to me is contrast and honestly i think it's like a it's really a a human nature thing is like contrast is appealing. Mm-hmm. It sticks out from status quo. It sticks out from the norm. And um, if you can do it right, you hit a home run. And because like, love it. isn't there talk like refresh me a little bit on your whole? Because there was a whole like story and thing behind like your first couple pop ups, right? With like the or it's. Uh, it's with your most recent pop-up with like the stigmatism behind Magook. Magook yeah. Oh yeah. Word. Yeah. That's the story behind that word I think is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But that's just another, I mean, I want you to describe that, but that's like a, just another layer of like elevating or creating a whole like experience or like feeling more than just again, like dank food, which I think and is really tight and pushing that boundary is, 
that's creative creativity you know and i think if you're listening here this would be a good time to go to sean's instagram which is what is it gastro goon yeah at gastro goon all one word yep yeah you can take a look at exactly what we're talking about here continue what's Thanks. the story behind magook um so <clears throat> i i don't know I, I get really bored with cooking the same thing all the time so i'm always constant i'm i'm constantly like flipping the script on my pop-ups there's never been the same menu twice i hardly use the same dishes twice unless they're like real crowd pleasers and i'm doing it for the people more than i'm doing it for myself like your korean barbecue chicken sandwich I only did that twice. Yeah, I should have done that a third time. People love so that. But I replaced it with pastrami, and people love the pastrami. So if you had it anyway, or like if people weren't an option, whatever, you'd have a new menu every time. Oh, like yeah. Just pushing the boundary every yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, I don't even remember half the stuff I put out. What, are like, we just some sort of guinea pigs to you or something? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Seeing yeah. what sticks, seeing what doesn't. Are, do you Not even that. It's just like, it's like a comedian know, on tour. The, the impermanence of things is... is do you keep like a backlog or like a notebook of like stuff that hits and stuff that mainly stuff that hits? I have the intention for like your to, restaurant or see, something. I have the intention eventually? to be like super like um, organized and you know like have reference and like have a backlog and have like cataloging and recipes written down. But most of the time, the bangers are always on like napkins mm-hmm. or like. Do you have an iPad? I do have an iPad. Don't uh. utilize technology the way I should. John's been yelling at me forever to like put on your schedule. I'm like, <laughs> it's all up here. And I forget shit. Dude, yeah. G Suite will save your life. I'm the worst. Maybe talk about your creative process a little bit. Because, you know, we talked once and you kind of like where the inspiration comes from. And it, it sounded like your process is similar to that of like a writer or a painter or you know, like you're practicing your craft and you're kind of waiting for that inspiration is what I took away from your explanation of it. So like, what is, what does that creative process look like for you? Um, I think where I get the best, uh, outcomes are one of two things. I either need to be like captivated. So either by travel and like going to see like the Rockies or something or the ocean or like, you know, like, Seeing San Francisco is captivated. New York City is inspired, um, or just tight deadlines, and kind of having an idea going in, but then changing it right before, like the de- or like altering it right before the deadline, and just working under the high pressure. I've always had good outcomes, not necessarily for myself. I'm not always like stoked myself, but like the people end up. Those are always somehow like the bangers. People just like really fuck with that dish that I'm just like, I had to really throw that one together last night, you know, because I ran <laughs> out of this. And people, I, I've. That's so Sean Marshall, by the way, everybody. If they yeah. Didn't know. I've found that uh, sometimes getting by by the, you know, skin of your teeth really works out. <laughs> Pressure can make diamonds, that's for sure. Yeah, totally. That's what it's saying. So what what again is Magook and like what does that? Oh yeah, so it sounds kind of like, like a that. kind of sounds like a racy term there. What is it it's going little, for? It's a little, you know, raise your eyebrow. Isn't there like something it? something about that word. Something Not like so that? PC. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a uh, little punk rock. I, I try to do everything a little punk rock, but uh, so I was, you know, trying to figure out what this next concept was going to be. I hit up one of my buddies. Um, he's a Detroit artist. He's also Korean. 
but he grew up with Korean parents and um I'm talking he, about the Han. Yeah, I'm not trying to name drop or anything, but yeah, like Han. He's we haven't talked in a while, but you know, I was talking to him at the time and uh he I, I was like, Hey man, like I was adopted and you know that and I struggle with like that idea of how it relates to me and food. I was like, am I allowed to cook Korean food? Cause he's, he's not adopted. He's not adopted. Somebody. He's like first gen, first gen Korean. And so, aren't you technically too? I'm fact- gen zero, but I was raised by white people. I don't know anything but like American culture. He knows like gen zero culture as immigrants to America, like, mm. you know, parents, like, putting a lot of pressure. Like, the stereotypical Asian parent, like, mm-hmm. you know, you need to be successful. Don't be a failure. We came here with nothing, so you could be successful. Don't waste, like, you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that. I was, you know, like... If it's interesting being an adoptee because I've never met anybody I've ever been blood related to, you know, but I know for a fact that my parents wanted me. There was no doubt in their mind that they wanted me because they actively got me. You know what I mean? Like anybody can say, Are yeah, you my, about I was your planned, family, but not your biological family. Yeah. I'm talking about my adopted family. Hmm. So like, you know, there's some spoiling in there and there's some, I mean, we weren't by any means well off, but. You know, my parents did what they could to make sure I was happy. And you were an only child, too. And I was an only child, too. They could only afford one. So you one. got all the attention, baby. I could afford one. Um, but to circle back, uh, I asked him, you know, like, so can I cook Korean food? Do I have, like, the right to? He's like, yeah, man. Like, it's, it's about being a Korean American. It's about, you know, having pride in... Uh, being an immigrant and having an identity in this like confusing place. And, uh, you know, I kind of like thought about that and I thought about, you know, I've been called some salty names, like growing up where I did, I was like one of very few Asian people in my, uh, school district. And, um, which is down river, right? Down river. Is that Taylor or something? No, I was like the furthest down river you can go, like almost in Monroe and uh, Rockwood. Um, our town didn't even have a high school. I went to Gibraltar School. Um, but, you know, a lot of backwoods kids, a lot of kids going duck hunting before they go into school and they're all in their camouflage with their lifted trucks and shit. How did you fit in? <laughs> Being able to laugh at yourself. Um, you know, I was a fat kid with. Fat Asian kid with gay dads, like you know, it was a tough, tough childhood. When did your when did that whole entire scenario happen in your family? I was adopted at four months old. My dad came out when I was five. Mm-hmm. And then your parents got a divorce. Yep. And then I was just a chunker. <laughs> so I was got to be able to make some jokes. <laughs> <laughs> That's so unfortunately ruthless. You got to be able to crack some jokes. Jeez. So I got along with most people, but still, it slips through the cracks, like some racism and shit. Of course. And uh, if you're you constantly know, th- the butt end of a joke. Yeah. And I thought about like the word gook, and um, I was like, "Where? What's the origin of that word?" So I looked it up, 
And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's used a lot in, in Vietnam, like in the, in the Vietnam war, but it, it's kind of like this homogenized word kind of used to describe just Asian people like chink, uh, which is kind of fucked up too. Cause like we can't even have our own damn words. Like, yeah. You're going to just group us all and call us one thing or a couple things. And um, it actually originated in the Korean War, um, and little like little kids would go up to the USGIs um, saying "miguk" because "miguk" means American, and they'd be like uh, "miguk, miguk," and the GIs misunderstood the word for like me, like I am a gook. So they thought the kids were being like, me gook, I'm a gook, look, I'm a gook. Hmm. So they're like, gook. <laughs> and then, you know, I mean, it homogenized into uh, Vietnam and kind of went on from there. So I took that word and, you know, I, I, it kind of repre- it. represents me. Like, I'm an American citizen. I'm uh, culturally American. I mean, I've been eating Korean food my whole life because my... I was lucky enough to have adopted parents that uh, really like to keep culture alive in any regard, not not just Korean. I'd go to the Polish delis, I'd go to Italian delis. I'd, any experience I could have as a child, that's where I was spoiled, was my parents were very good, especially my mom, with making sure I had the experiences of diversity and understood culture and, like didn't uh wasn't ignorant you know what i mean mm-hmm. so that's kind of where that whole thing started so i cook so this concept is korean american food, or my representation of korean american food and i try not to um like you said earlier with gastro pubs like throw kimchi on everything or just yeah call it dumb bullshit. you know call it korean fusion mm. when it's just it's like it's like brussels sprouts with a little bit of honey, some sesame oil. Some sriracha. And then, yeah, exactly. And they're like, Asian fusion Brussels sprouts. Yeah, exactly. And then the homogenization of... Throw some bacon on it. Of Yeah. Of uh, Asian ingredients is something I try to stray away from, too. I'll, I'll do it a little bit here and there, but only where it really has to make sense. Because I don't like mixing things that are too close because it's confusing. Like... Um, People tend to mix Korean and Japanese food, uh, partly because like Korean food didn't take off in America, so they had to include Japanese food in their restaurants. Mm. Um, or Korean owners would own Japanese restaurants because it didn't take Korean food didn't take off well as, as early as Japanese in America. So um, that's kind of where I'm at with that. That's uh, where Migu kind of started so it's just kind of like a play or like a poke fun at but like your whole well i don't i don't want to say identity yeah like identity if you will you know yeah i I call it um i'm exploring my identity through food i'm exploring my culture through food because i don't really know how to do it any other way and i really take pride in like trying to find the Korean techniques and ingredients uh, and researching them more than just a surface level, understanding why, and then maybe toning it back or implementing it in a way that's uh, 
Um, um, I don't know, easy for the American palate, or I don't even want to say that because it kind of like waters it down, but just makes it accessible, you know, mm-hmm. makes it uh, accessible, intriguing, and, you know, interesting and something that people like. And I found that, that it's been doing pretty, pretty okay. Yeah, I think one of the most interesting things about um, just like that whole entire cuisine from that region of the world is just how some how simple some of those ingredients are, and like how much different flavor you can get from it. Like Trey, you had that uh, little um, salad that I made the other day that was just like rice vinegar, a little bit of sesame oil, a little bit of chili oil, and all it was was like cucumbers, corn, oh, carrots. Yeah. And um, onion and dude, and it was like some. It's so banging. Like there's those flavors that can be achieved with just like the smallest amount of things. That over here, it's like you just got ketchup or something like that. You know. Well, I mean, um, a lot of those simple, delicious uh, combinations are just made out of necessity from being impoverished. Yeah, it's kind of like the shepherd's pie of the South with like slaves and getting scraps and like how those that oh whole barbecue yeah, barbecue all that uh, stuff. I mean, and, all, and you know, it sucks is that shit's been exploited. Now it's the most expensive cuts of meat. You know how expensive chicken wings are now? Yeah, chicken wings were pennies. I think that's a supply and demand type of thing now at this point because everybody could just eat chicken wings all the time because they got exploited. But they used to it's be true. thrown away. You know what I mean? Yeah, did they really? Oh yeah. I, I mean, it was it was like it's slave food like. All the tougher parts of the meat, the things that you need to I smoke love, for a long time. I love dark meat chicken. They figured, like, the people that were impoverished figured out how to cook the things that are simple or garbage and make it good. Because mm-hmm. they needed to. Yeah. So, yeah, if all you've got is cucumbers and some fermented vinegar and some... Fire. You know? <laughs> like, that's all you have laying around. What, did you see a ghost? No. Everybody you just d- looked over there. So no, you did that thing that like cats do when there's like nothing. <laughs> it's like ghost. But yeah, so what's up with this whole entire identity thing? Because I know a lot of people have talked about, you know, like, oh, I'm trying to find myself or I'm trying to find my identity and everything like that. And I know there are times where people like I used to have like I had a mullet and I cut it and people were like, you just trying to find your identity. And I was like, no, I was just growing a mullet. But the thing about it with you is like you actually are trying to find your identity and like, how do you, how would you describe like that feeling or how food helps you do that? Because you do have this part about you, which is your race, which is Korean, but you grew up in a white world in like downriver, which is basically like white territory and you, all, all the people around you are just white. So you're trying to assimilate to this race, but then there's this whole other culture and part about you who is like your blood literally that's just something that you've never explored. I'm also not, you know, part of. What do you mean? Like, I oh, you're not part of. Yeah, yeah, I'm you're, not that either. I'm yeah. somewhere stuck between, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm not. I'm. You look at me. I'm not a white guy, but a fucking white guy. I'm a Twinkie man. I'm yellow on the outside, <laughs> but I'm white on the inside. It's yeah. I'm all there, um, but it, it, like I was talking to my buddy Quinn uh, on Snapchat. He's currently in Korea. Um, He's a white guy, and he was saying he's like I'm just nervously saying "kamsamnida" and bowing because I that? don't know it. <laughs> it's just hello, uh, and um, 
He's like, I'm like, yeah, but they'll understand when I go. Like, they're gonna think that something's wrong with me. Because <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what's wrong with this guy? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm kind of stuck in between there. Are you planning on going over there sometime? Eventually, yeah, when money's right. Mm-hmm. Gotta get that money right. Yeah. You've never been. I've never been. Been once. Don't remember it. I I think that's a really cool. I mean, we've vocalize this in a number of different ways now but just the your the blend like what you're serving on a plate really is like who you are in the sense of like this blend of of both worlds um i just think that's really cool yeah it's pretty dope yeah thanks man i I mean i think you know food gives me a way to really like say what i want to say i've got a lot to say you know what i mean but that's just your medium of saying it. Yeah, without having to say it. Mm-hmm. That creative outlet. The um, only thing is, is like uh, the only thing I feel like food can't really express is uh, any like negative feelings that you may want to get out. So like, uh, like purposely <laughs> make a dish that just tastes like everybody shit. just takes yeah. a bite of it. They're like, oh, you're like, ah, <laughs> fuck you. You're like, I want to kill myself. <laughs> A little dark, but you know, <laughs> Jesus, you just have to make it with like 50 ghost peppers. <laughs> <laughs> um, for other people listening, too, one of the things that Sean does, which I think is really cool because we keep talking about pop ups, and yeah, pop ups are cool and everything, but I mean, you know, it's just a pop up compared to the stuff that you usually do and that you've done, which is your private dinners. Where, like, say you want to take somebody out that's super special to you, you got a couple hundred dollars to blow. You get these tickets and you have a full course meal in a building that is shut down with only you and maybe 15 other strangers. How many people do you usually have? Uh, I normally do two turns of 12 diners at a yeah. time. Yeah. So then you go in, you sit down, there's a wait staff that comes out and you get a, you know, a meal and a, a menu. You don't get to pick anything off the menu because he's feeding you, but you get to see everything. And That's a tasting menu. Yeah. Everything is just like, I remember you took a large spine of a fish and so like as you can imagine a spine has this mid column and then the ribs that come on the outside of it you would cut up the spine piece by piece and then turned it sideways and then scooped out the inside of that inner column Mm -hmm. and then use that as like an actual serving dish so like people were eating what out of that spine uh the tartare of that fish i believe that was actually john yelnick he's a partner of mine we have a we had a, pro- a project called uh, Pariah. I don't want to say had because I have uh, you guys intentions of using yeah using that again. We want to kind of do some things together. But Pariah is like the outside. Like, how would you describe that? Because Pariah means pariah almost like Ronin, uh, outcast. Uh, yeah, outcast. It's like mm-hmm. um, someone outside of society. Someone that's like uh, you know not doing things the way. That's why you feed people out of a fish spine. Yeah, that's why we have <laughs> illegal pop-ups. <laughs> but then, like, magook is a whole different part of the, the cuisine style, and then that is you with your Korean-American food? So, okay, so we want to kind of get would you into, into the that? nuts and bolts of things. I was working with John Yelnick, uh, another very talented chef out of Detroit, working on his own projects. Um, I'm going to plug it real quick, Park Ranger. Hopefully, he'll get a brick and mortar soon. I don't know if that's what he wants, but people are seeming to like his concept. 
Um, John Yelnick and I worked together opening a place called Prime and Proper in Detroit, a very high-end steakhouse. Mm -hmm. um, that opening team um, had some of you know the next generations of chefs. Uh, yeah, working. we just wasted a lot of time with them, by the way. So, but continue. You want me to like burn them? No, I'm just kidding. Let me give him a quick burn. <laughs> <laughs> um, nice steer. Steaks are shit. <laughs> <laughs> you made a steak for Drake there one time. Yeah. And Drake. Beyonce and Jay-Z. Uh, Jay yeah. And uh, Mia Khalifa, if you guys know who that is. I have no idea I who did. that is. <laughs> <laughs> she actually was tried that, to take home like, one of the sushi. Like she, she international was po politician or something? Yeah. yeah. Politician. Yeah. It's like a Sarah Palin type thing. Okay. Um... Anyway, I was working there with John Yelnick. Uh, I heard he was doing a dinner party at his house. I took the day off to attend it. We were just like work friends. Yeah. And um, I was like, this is sweet. This inspired me to do my own thing. I was like, on my birthday next year, I'm going to do a pop-up. So I did my own pop-up. It was more casual. It was late night breakfast. Um, sold out. It was crazy. I mean, it was an Ipsy pop-up. I also think the word pop-up kind of wasn't even really around that much back in the day when that was happening because I had never heard of them happening. It, until it was. You did I it. mean, it, it's definitely more of a thing now, but it it, it it was around. It just wasn't as COVID really made they blew COVID it up. really gave it the habitat to grow. Oh, you know? definitely. I mean, there was a huge emerge of pop-ups at COVID, and that's when we decided to shut down because we felt it was. Uh, you're like unethical. <laughs> We've already done this. You guys are crazy. <laughs> this is not ethically correct. <laughs> yeah, we done been doing this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had a pretty successful. You guys filmed it. You guys were there uh, mm -hmm. for yeah, the, the one first I cultivate. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, you guys had like a little video for me like that night. By the time I was cleaned that was up. Trey. That was funny. That's a Trey Sarmento special, baby. Cleaned it up. <laughs> um. <laughs> Get them in, get them out. That's what I was saying. <laughs> bada bing, bada boom. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I started doing some pop-ups because I had the success. Uh, John was doing some. And then we were just helping each other out at each other's. And we're just like, you know, let's let's team up. Mm -hmm. So we created Pariah. And uh, we, kind of, we really looked at it like a business. We have our, you know... We have all of our finances set up to show investors and stuff. And not that that was our intent, but we really just wanted to do it as professionally as possible. Mm -hmm. You know, be as transparent to pay our staff and whatnot as we could because we just like doing things ethically. And um, we had three concepts uh, because I always like overdoing shit. And it was a family meal, a service, and... No, we started with just family meal and service. And uh, family meal is casual. Um, and those those words are based around like some restaurant lingo, like family meals, which mm -hmm. all the employees get together, have a meal before you open up. Yeah. And it's then service is, you know, for the guests. So family meal was um, just this casual, you know, five item menu. Tried to have something vegetarian, tried to have something vegan, two proteins and a side or something. Yeah. And uh, had great success with that. But our goal with making the money with that was to fund service. And I think we saved up for like two years before we could pull it off. Because it's expensive. I mean, you did 
Like I said, you have all the creative control, so you oh, you we brought plates, table, table. We, we made a lighting fixture. Yeah, every single thing to make this whole entire experience great. I remember just going into your basement to do laundry because I used to do laundry in your guys' basement, and I was just like, look at all this shit down here. There's just so much like forks, knives, like a whole. It looked like I walked into a catering like closet, yeah, like, like a restaurant's catering closet or something. I mean, dude, for fuck it, for the for the dinner that uh, you were referring to with the. Tuna spine, mm-hmm. uh, the tuna vertebrae segment cups that they ate out of, mm-hmm. um, was twenty two courses. That's twenty two pieces of individual plateware for twelve guests that have to be stored and cleaned and mm-hmm. yeah. And you're not just gonna toss them afterwards because that's just expensive. All right. So we had to really think outside the box. I was going through IKEA looking at like candlestick holders. Like, can a piece of food does that look good? <laughs> you know and i was like how much is it it's like okay a dollar i can afford that you know like, yeah. so we really had to get creative cutting pieces of wood but it needed to look good too so mm-hmm. it was a challenge but it was felt like a million bucks <laughs> it was sweet it was so cool yeah um that's really like grabbing a hold of the full experience like at every step of the way yeah i mean for so our 22-course meal, it was called Layover. It was a Japanese-inspired uh, tasting menu. Hold on. before I just want to make sure that we can scrape these services because I don't want to just dive too hard yeah. into the history of every single pop-up that we've done. Cause it's, I mean, yeah, it's just, no one can care about that. No, I mean, they care about it. I just There's a lot of stuff. That we want, too much. Talk about. Yeah. But continue. What's next? No, just continue with that. I was just chiming in. Oh yeah, like uh, for to, for example, though you get like champagne when you walk in. There was a waiting area that had like was uh, this the one at Anthology? Yeah, we would go. We would do it at this coffee shop after hours called Anthology in Eastern Market. You'd sit and wait, uh, and then we had like uh, the whole like I the concept of the meal was you're laid over in Tokyo for <laughs> like a few hours, and these are the things that you'd want to do. So the first thing was like go to a 7-Eleven and get all the convenience items. So we like individually wrapped um, onigiri that had like uh, smoked sturgeon and caviar inside. And then there's like these little like um, uh, little katsu sandwiches with uh, um, Lay's potato chips. With Lay's potato chips and sour cream and onion. <laughs> But then, you know, you just went from place to place. You went to the ramen shop. You went to the fish auction. That's where the spine yeah. was. Um, I didn't know that. I didn't know that's how that was. Yeah. And then you went to, like, there's a Kaiseki dinner portion, which is, like, their uh, very uh, strict rule format for serving a fine dining dinner in Japan. Mm-hmm. And uh, you went through all that and then went back on the airplane and went home. So that was, like, the... I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That was the whole concept. That was the whole. The layover. Yeah. So so one thing that, that kind of, when I found out that uh, you were a dungeon master, uh, as well as just a chef, like a lot of, I had kind of already learned a few of these things about you, like kind of your approach to these dinners and kind of telling the story and the mm-hmm. full dive into it. Um, but that made so much sense to me, you, you know, like it feels like being a dungeon master and like, creating like that concept there's some similarities there as far as like telling a story and taking your guests on a journey and i guess 
is that me reading into something or like how how do those two worlds kind of live That's how true. are they the same i never even noticed that because you did have a fully immersive like when we played dungeons and dragons you would move a bookshelf and then go to a secret room in your house. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, you you had this room and you were like, I think a bookshelf should go here. And then you just totally blocked off the room with a bookshelf on hinges. So, like, no one knew that's what was there unless you had, like, moved in before that bookshelf was there. And then you would just, like, pull the bookshelf out and it would swing open like a giant door and we would go into this little cubby of a room just kind of like what we're in right now safe room with a custom table with like your dice holder was underneath with led lights so you could click on and click off like and see your rolls under the table and like all this stuff yeah um it was pretty nuts i i go to ham i spread myself too thin i was super spoiled for that being my first dungeons and dragons experience yeah, I mean, uh, I, it's just all about the immersion, man. I, I did the same thing. With, I was really into Airsoft growing up, and I would do, like, Milsom events that lasted, like, 40 hours, and you could get, like, attacked while you were sleeping and shit, and, like, Jeez. there were tanks and shit. Like, <laughs> we live in such, like, a fucked up, stressful, chaotic, traumatic existence that the escapism is something that I strive to create mm-hmm. and um, in any way possible. So yeah, D&D, uh, food experiences, um, playing G.I. Joe in the backyard. How long has that been going on? I guess ever since I was a kid. I mean, being an only child, you develop an imagination, man. Like That makes sense. You're playing with your toys, G.I. Joe's by yourself. Legos by yourself, making up an entire world. Didn't have an imaginary friend, but I could probably drum one up if you wanted me to. Mm-hmm. Um, what about? Did you have to develop those like, escapisms at all? Like when you were talking about kids bullying you and stuff for your race when you were a kid, or what? Um, no, I think that just developed more of my like charismatic side of things. I, you know, didn't. I do have this like smiteful side of me probably due to that, but I also kind of like poked fun at it mm-hmm. and like overcame it. Like I was the one that could bully a bully without them knowing it and they would laugh at it. You know what I mean? Like poke fun at them because the wheels were turning faster than they could turn them. Mm-hmm. And they would think it's funny. I was always really bad at that. If somebody roasted me in school and I tried to come back with a roast, I would just basically roast myself. But I wouldn't <laughs> even try to roast them in front of other people for like an ego thing. It would be like my own amusement. Like I would manipulate for my own amusement. It would be like, <laughs> you're an idiot. so fucked up. <laughs> but I mean, I was getting made fun of. I mean, like yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. rooted in like them coming at me. Yeah. So I don't know. But. Also, being an only child, do you think you had a little bit of control there, too, with your parents at all? Yes and no. Yeah. Um, I don't think you'd ever know that unless you had a sibling. Yeah, true. I don't know. Yeah. Unless you were consciously... I was the only child growing up until I was, like, I don't know how old I was when my little brother was born, but, like, my whole childhood, same sort of thing, so Hmm. I definitely get the playing with dirt bike little toy dirt bikes by yourself and it, and it stuff. does that's, it definitely shows in like your work too 
Yeah, like, I mean, it, I, you I think what you're saying. You definitely have an idea of yeah, what with, you want. Like, you're very, like, you're, you're a lot more on. in your head, I feel like. Yeah, for definitely. sure. Rather than just doing what, like, a it could be a good thing and a bad thing. At yeah. It definitely bites you in the life. ass yeah. because you have expectations. And overthinking, I'm sure, is a lot more easy with how in your head you've been growing up and stuff. So I'm sure that's also a downfall in myself and other people. And failure, I feel like, hits hard. Because wow. you have both you guys have very similar drives now that I think about it. It's a f- yeah, fear of failure for sure. I mean that comes I think a little bit deeper from not just being an only child but just yeah. the upbringing and positions that I was in growing up, but mm-hmm. it's just a I've seen the other side and I don't want to go back kind of thing. Same dude. So, mm-hmm. I always say like uh I kind of want like a tattoo of like a downriver rat. It's like eating the <laughs> cheese from the trap because I like made it out of downriver when a lot of people just don't. They just like stay there and like start a family, work in a factory. Mm-hmm. I ain't trying to do that. Yeah, that sounds terrible. Yeah. I mean, that is. Don't, but yeah, that is the reality for a lot of people, though. It's it's the Rust Belt, man. It's like you know, it's just the Rust Belt of Detroit. Yeah. Industry, um, industry, industry. How are you liking... The, it's so funny. Trey, I asked him, like, how do you like his new place in Ann Arbor... Or, I'm sorry, in Detroit compared to Ipsy. And you're like, hmm, it's actually a lot quieter. And I was like, what? Really? Yeah. Your guys' block is so quiet. But Ipsy is just... Especially if you live where, like, Trey lives or where I live, like, it is loud. It Lots is of loud. Fire trucks people. love just blasting Dog, through the across across Gunshots, the too, unfortunately. For two yeah, years. that's... Yeah. Bus yeah. farts and getting my house doom, broken doom, 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 into. I'm gonna say you had a whole car a drive car. up onto your front porch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a car demolished my porch. And it I looked like a- it looked like the aftermath of like a a, a 17th century naval battle. There were <laughs> just splinters of wood, like everywhere. And that was that was someone very high on on drugs. Just yeah. Yeah. Well, blowing that, was, that stop sign and like slumped. trajectory yeah. like right into your house. And that wasn't even the first time either. That house was under attack personally like not not i don't know if that's under attack of just oh pure drugs under attack is is like that's like i'm just saying yeah yeah yeah. a a term but like when i was at your house trey like years ago and remember sean called me and he's like hey what are you doing i was like i'm at trey's house what's up he's like okay good because it's like so close to sean's house he's like uh the house just got broken into alexis is like standing on the roof with a sword oh, i think the I cops are on the way can you like go over there and i was like what all right trey i gotta go go you're over like, there and kill all the bad guys like, and report back <laughs> <laughs> you're like i'm at work i can't do anything about it and i was like all right i'll go over there right now and then i go over there the cops were already there the guy like it was basically like that scene in ghostbusters where the slime guy like just like goes crazy toward the end of the window and just blows through the window. <laughs> like this dude Did you just, see him fall? No, that oh, was like right sick. after the aftermath and Alexis was describing it to me and I was like, wow, that sounds exactly like that scene in Ghostbusters where that, because the dude just broke into your house, ran up the stairs. Alexis can see it because she, did you guys have the camera? No, you got the camera after it. Yeah, that was a, that was a post um, home invasion gift. Yeah, she just, <laughs> That it was a home invasion, dude. So the dude ran up, through the glass, like ran, ran up, up the, the stairs. stairs, high as hell. Yeah, and Alexis just was like, "Well, better get the Frodo sword." Got the Frodo sword yeah, no, she was off put, the wall. She was like, she was like, sitting. So it's cold outside. She's sitting in like softy shorts on the ground 
with a tank top, putting together Ikea furniture, and just hears the door smash open. She's like, that ain't Sean. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a a Lord of the Rings sword hanging on the wall. And thank God it wasn't a cheapo. That was a real fucking sword (laughs) replica. (laughs) The sharp boy. She pulls it off, jumps out the window, and is standing on like the eaves of the house. Mm -hmm. Like the little roof chunk. Like, Like Mulan. You know? <laughs> yeah. But he and runs he runs in and what just does a lap around the house and yeah, then he jumps run, out the exactly window. Some shit and then, and then literally out the jumped out the window on a second like second story. And, like, and broke, broke both of his legs. And then <laughs> Alexis sees a car pull up. Angel. <laughs> a dude jumps out and the girl's the girl's driving. Dude jumps out, she's like, Angel, no, don't and he, starts, and he goes over there and just starts beating the hell out of him. <laughs> what? So dude. Up. Like he was running away from those people, tried to like run into your guys' house. He got, he got like, real high oh and wet, shit. busted the house, broke his legs, got his ass beat, and then they didn't they not even catch him, they just dragged him into the car and peeled out. Something like that. I don't know if yeah. he wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> and then I got there and everybody was like, What are you doing here, John? And I was like, We're here to check out the situation. I got all the bad guys out. <laughs> but yeah, no then bad you guys got, here. Then you got the car ramming onto your porch. Yeah. On the camera too. Yep. Yeah, I, yeah, I remember that seeing that footy. video. Yeah, that's a good, good yeah. clip. Yeah, Sports Center top and ten. I always, I had, this, I had this window like they had like a little nook where you could sit in my living room, and it overlooked the bus station. And I don't know how many World Star videos I could have got out of that dude. There was just brawls all the time, <laughs> dude. I saw a dude get his head stomped. Did. Whoa! I've seen yeah. I've seen a good amount from Tap Room. I got Tap Room in yeah. my in my yeah. sights. That's a hot block. But I would say you've probably seen more at the bus station than Tap Room. Tap oh. Room's been pretty quiet. Lately. Every time I walk by the bus station, I always had like a my Yeti filled water just ready to <laughs> ready box to someone, <laughs> bonk somebody on the noggin Boop. if they come at you. Yeah. Um, I, dude, remember I used to live on Ballard too. So like right across yeah, the street had, from you had that crackheads was, that on was your some porch. Of the worst times, <laughs> dude. There was a. I remember one of the first times Steve St. John ever came over to my house. He was just in the kitchen giggling like a little school person. Like, you know, like what are you doing? He's like, look. And he's got his camera out. And he's filming it, doing the same shit like World Star. And there are these two homeless dudes like trying to beat the shit out of each other with milk crates, but they were both so drunk. That every time one of them swung, they would just like fall over, and like our dogs going crazy, and I'm just like, God damn, I have to get out of this house. I know, dude. I remember you were so tired of it and used to it. By a certain point, I'd come over, <laughs> and we'd be like chilling, like I don't know, doing something, and you'd be like, Oh my God, hold on, and you'd get like a baseball bat and go on the front porch and like, Get the fuck out! Of here. <laughs> That's exactly what I would do. And then they would leave. Yeah. The first few times was very scary, but then like, you know, after two years it. of it, I got very used to it. And it was funny because I actually had a police officer one time thank me and my friends who lived at that house because they were like, you know, after like two years of you guys living here, like the block is way more quiet. Thank just you for we, killing all those homeless men. <laughs> yeah. Buried them in the basement. No, I'm just kidding. But it was just a, a very interesting thing because it's just like you can't do the things that you want to do on my front porch. Go away. <laughs> Because it was such a huge front porch, people would just love to hang out on it all the time, and other tenants would just let them do it. It was so. across the street from two liquor stores, the perfect spot. Two, yeah, two very crime-ridden liquor stores. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I loved it. I love, yeah, it's character for sure. Yeah, dude, it's Ipsy life, man. Ipsy mm-hmm. real. But yeah, so what? Like, you love living in Detroit now? 
Um, yeah, so far so good. I mean, I wish the homies were out there more. Mm-hmm. But with gas prices so high and shit, I know it's hard. Yeah, it's been a difficult thing. What's uh what's next? What's um like what yeah, what's next and then what's like your what is your like your end goal? Like if you could just like boom, done, we're good. End goal. Have a few um franchises here and there on the country. <laughs> Couple uh Maybe like cheeses, a, some chilies. Maybe a Michelin. I would be okay with a Michelin one star as my flagship, but two star would be sick. Three stars, I I don't have the matzah for a three star. <laughs> matzah? I don't know. I don't. I you weren't born into the Italian family. I can't. I don't think I could do it. It's just I don't want to do it. It's just too crazy. Um, do you think your health would allow you to do it? Probably not. Mm. But I'm also. Then that's the what's next. The what's next is trying to figure out how I'm not going to, because this last pop up, I almost like threw up. I had to sit down. The sun was beating on me. You know, I, I was the only one prepping. We were shooting Pride. It was so hot. So hot. Mm-hmm. I was in the sun, just like, what do you four lobster pancakes and you know what I mean? Fucking my guys, save the day. Mm-hmm. I had some coworkers were in line to eat. My boss came up. He's like, yo, let me take the pass for a second. You sit down and get some cool water on you. And he, yeah, it's important. He took over. Like, love those guys. Shout out to Voyager crew. Um, but, yeah, my, my, next, my next thing is figuring out what my capabilities are in my physical state. What's going to work where I can still do what I want to do. Because I'm... I'll kill myself. I can't fucking do what I want to do. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I'll go crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going crazy. That's that's why I started doing pop-ups, because I was going crazy. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I can't sit still. I can't not be working on something. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it was interesting, too, because I, me and Trey were shooting that day, and both of us had to sit down for at least 20 minutes at a time. And even the guy who had hired us even was like, you guys just take a break, man. That yeah, person man. is so hot, not enough water. And Logan. And um, he, it was just so bad. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, dude, if I'm out here dying right now, what the fuck is Sean doing? So then like when I got home, I had called a couple people because I was going to head out there before I went outside again. And I was like, I can't stand this heat anymore. Like I'm already, I've been in the sun this many hours this day. I can't do it. But I called Khalil and this was something that I've never heard Khalil say. And he was just like, I don't know, man. I don't think Sean should be out here right now. It's way too hot. Like he is fucking, it is like dangerously hot. And that's what I was worried because I was like, man, you know, like, pop-ups are cool and all and like it's it's really awesome to see your expression and stuff like that but like where do you draw the line you know what i mean and it's really tough figuring that out because like where do i draw a line but how do i also put myself out there without a brick and mortar Mm -hmm. without doing pop-ups um i think the next step is kind of doing some takeovers um you know getting my foot in the door with some of these restaurant owners and chefs that are like in detroit buzzing doing some cool shit. Um, How do you continue to stay relevant, but at the same time healthy? And which one would do you think would be more important? What's more important is staying healthy. Um, I've been kind of doing a little bit of a relevancy campaign for my Instagram because I never post. I'm like a lurker. I'm, I don't post much. Well, I it's hard to curate 
the social media content to the caliber of what you're trying to represent with your food and business and stuff. Yeah. Not everybody can just do that. It's not easy. And I don't have money to pay anybody to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I've been kind of going through my, I, I take a lot of photos of what I think is cool. Yeah. You know, so I got a lot of cool fo- food photos. I just never post them. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of going back through my library and telling little stories here and there. I'm like, oh, this is when I was in Hawaii and it's the only fish auction in the United States. And this this and that here's some cool pictures and people seem to like it they engage um i think that's a good way to stay a little more relevant i know john got a lot uh john yelnick uh park ranger guy got a lot of um success with keeping up with his instagram heavily Mm -hmm. but isn't charlotte mostly doing that or is that all no that's all him it's all him the guy's a madman dude he uh he does it all but yeah yeah, I'm, I don't know. Um, a staff would help. I mean, I prepped this whole thing by myself pretty much. I had yeah. a little bit of help. Um, but really where I have the most help is just hired guns for the day of the event just because I can't be five places at once. Mm-hmm. So normally these pop-ups, I'm prepping the bulk majority of everything the day before, doing all the shopping two days before, and then executing with a small team of hourly paid friends. Um, and then, you know, selling a fuck ton of food, like yeah. with hour long plus lines. Do you think that's keeping you relevant with the, with like the whole scene? Uh, I think I do a good enough job where people look forward to, cause I'm not, I'm not doing anything regularly. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that keeps my attendance up because when they hear about it, they want to engage. Um, kind of like Lucha Puerco style or like Lucha other Puerco, people. I think, I mean, like I think they do a great job, but they, they, they go all, all the, the time. time. So I feel like his attendance is lower. It's just, it's just because he's all the time. Food residency. Make the money. Yeah. Yeah. And that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I get it. But then at the same time, it's like, when at that point do you just become like a food truck pop-up stand? You know what I mean? Like a, like a concession stand at one point. I don't know. I don't know what his intentions are. I don't know if that's what he wants. I know he, his main goal getting out of retail was to spend time with his daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he gets to do that by doing these pop-ups. So I'm Whoever not sure. Whoever pays the bills, yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the whole entire cultural appropriation thing? Because I know that people, you touched on it earlier when you said, hey, Mike, like, <clears throat> can you talk to me a little bit about like my identity and like who I am and how I can cook this food, being in a Korean-American and then taking a culture that is in my blood but not necessarily a part of my life? And he's like, yeah, dude, totally, versus somebody who's white, and then they're just like, hey, I'm slanging tacos. Um, and then calling it like, you know, this brand identity and stuff. Because I've, I've definitely seen people attack for that. And I have myself. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> it's tough because sometimes you see your friends do it. Some colleagues that you respect do it. Like exploitation versus like the art revival or appreciation. But I think... Right. And mm-hmm. I think the education is the most important. So you can't like, I felt like when I made like a public stand against a guy doing some Korean shit that I felt was just not done properly. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't care if you do Korean shit. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're 
white and do whatever do whatever you want. But you just slap some kimchi and peanut butter together and then do it right. Yeah. One of the best uh like representations of northern Thai cuisine in America is in Portland by um what's his name? Um I forget his name, but he's a white no dude. Idea. But he spent like 20 years in Thailand, knows the language, knows the people. Mm-hmm. Like, he has every right to cook Thai food mm-hmm. and does it well. Yeah. You know? Rick Bayless, he's, uh, he spent years going through Mexico, and he has Mexican restaurants in Chicago, and he does everything right, the mm-hmm. right way. He sources his product from the right people, from like little villages and like micro like uh, ecosystems in Oaxaca and shit. Like, and I feel like at that point, once you're that big and you kind of feel that yourself, that it's okay because you've talked to certain people that might be influential to you. Like, for example, Mike Hahn or somebody else like that. Like, you don't get, you wouldn't be phased by somebody saying like, oh, you're culturally appropriating like my food when it's just like, dude, I'm a, I'm a chef. I've been doing this for years. And like, I spent all that time in Mexico or this. Like, do you think that's something that just like happens? Or is there always going to be one of those like, identity crises or like that little voice in the back of your head that's like should i be doing this or should i not or like this person shouldn't um i don't know i think a lot of it's touch and go i think a lot of it's intuitive Mm -hmm. um like when i kind of voiced my opinion on this dude um making korean food or what he said was korean food like i could just tell through his menu and descriptions and misspellings of Korean ingredients mm. that he didn't give a fuck. Mm. He's just trying to make money. Yeah. I don't fuck with that. Yeah. I'll call you out. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if he was putting out the same thing, but trying mm-hmm. and like trying to educate himself or asking people mm-hmm. how to do things the right way, I wouldn't have a problem with that at all. Mm-hmm. You know, just you try. Just be closer to the mic. Just try, you know? Yeah. Hmm. And trying, I think, is definitely something that you do as you've talked about it with like all the different concepts that you've created with like Pariah and um, Magook and other things like that. Like you come up with these concepts. Fun fact, Sean Marshall is actually the person you came up with Drop for Drop Creative. When we were talking about that, I remember we were like kind of going back and forth on name guy. Yeah, (laughs) you're very good at naming things. So out of all like you've thought touched on like pariah you've touched on uh migook and you've done other pop-ups of sorts um do you see like migook ever like turning into a physical space or do you ever see pariah turning into a physical space like do you what if there are any which like pop-up can you see like taking the long run if you had that opportunity okay um or or is it something completely different and you wouldn't even like keep one of those alive and like burn it and create something new? You've talked about Indian food a lot. Uh, I talked about Indian food in the past, but I feel like it's not my place. Um, I'd like to learn more about Indian food. I'd like to uh, study with a couple friends that have are not necessarily Indian, but know quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um so I feel like I don't have any like real jurisdiction to create Indian food outside of like maybe influence for yeah. guests or for myself to eat. Um, but I do think, you know, Indian food is a great, uh, 
you know, vehicle moving forward for veg- flavor. Well, no, vegetarianism and kind of stepping mm. away from meat proteins because that's something we're going to need to do on a global scale. Um, and I see it happening within the next 10, 20 years. So prepare to see Indian food. <laughs> um, Great. <laughs> yeah, totally. I love Indian food. Best vegetarian meal you can have. Um, but for Trey's question, uh, I think, you know, pariah is going to be something that's always going to be close to John Nielnick and my heart. It's like we birthed this thing and conquered, like, nearly impossible challenges with, like, no money. Mm-hmm. Um, and put together a very high polished like experience for people that I think they'll remember their entire lives. We've got some some uh, very faithful followers <clears throat> from those dinner series, but um, I don't think that'll ever kind of become a brick and mortar just because John and I are independent of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, we both have different styles. We work very well together. Like I'll work with John any day of the week. Like we really vibe and put great menus together for our listeners once again this is not me this is right right john yelnick john y and um he's chef partner pariah Mm -hmm. uh i think has the most traction i've had multiple friends i was actually just talking to matt about this before we jumped on um about it taking you know more of a solid shape could you see it being like almost like how Ricewood is now, like inside York or inside of a establishment of that nature, to where it's like I that see or it like more the Detroit Shipping Co, like something of that, or even classier of like an actual like restaurant, restaurant, fire chicken sandwiches all day. Yeah, I'm thinking um, more of a high polished fast casual, fast casual. Mm-hmm. That in, I don't know, every metropolis in the United States. So, like, I mean, the first. Like, that's the big franchise. That's a big dream. Like, Would you name it Magook? Yeah. Like Dope. a Chipotle or like a no tie, like an elevated, like not the same type of food, but like that kind of style where it's like new age, but like still that quick and go kind of. Yeah, but a little further. A More little, like, yeah, a little further. So, classier. like, uh, Maybe more elevated than Shake Shack, but in that category. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was going to say Shake Shack, but I didn't want to piss you off. <laughs> I just had Shake Shack today, and that wouldn't piss me off at all. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I literally had Shake Shack today. It was fucking awesome. Um, yeah, something like that. Uh, but I really do want a place to pour my creative energy into. So, like, a very small, like, 60-seat flagship fine dining restaurant mm-hmm. and that would where I would be, be something se- completely separate than anything that you've done yet yeah you know and fuck other concepts too like I'm, if you got the money baby and you're watching let's go <laughs> and that's all the fun and games in, in like the future but like right now the focus is figuring out how to make something work for me it's not going to kill me that's what healthy. I'm doing now is going to kill me yeah staying healthy staying healthy so you getting get a that, kidney. Get that transplant. By the way, if anybody who's listening to this knows anybody who wants to give up a kidney to Sean, he would totally take it. Yeah, I'll take a few. 
Yeah. My buddy Connor just got a kidney after being on the wait list for five years. Congratulations, so. Connor. How's he healing up? Um, he's good. He went home and he's been in bed and everything like that. I should probably actually text him about this after this podcast because I know it was last week is when he got sent home. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. But he said that the doctors told him that he might not need to do any more dialysis at all right now because he they had said something along the lines Success. of like... Yeah, like maybe, you know, once you get it, we might still have to taper you off it or just kind of see what's going on. But they were like, no, you're good. You don't have to do it anymore. So he was like, holy fuck. He's like, you just got to drink your own pee from now on. Like, what? (laughs) (laughs) But for five years, you know, he couldn't do anything. It's just kind of like how you, you know, whenever we go up north or something like that, we got to find a place that's got your electricity and stuff so you can do dialysis, you know. So like right now, all he wants to do is go somewhere without electricity in the woods for like a week because yeah. he's like that's like the most freeing thing that I can think totally, of right dude. now. Yeah, that's yeah, good for him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've actually was watching uh, YouTube uh, camping gear reviews yesterday for like hours trying to find the best uh, power solution. <laughs> I've heard Jackeries are Jackers. not the. I've heard they're so-so. I heard the blue blue Yeti blue like. Blue okay. TTI. Shit, I okay. just want a little Honda generator, baby. That's what I would take with me if I had the money for it. It's loud, though. You can get them, like, super quiet. Really? Yeah, I mean, like, the smaller the smaller ones really? that are, like, the... I don't know how many watts those ones are rated at, but, like, you, I mean, Honda no, is going to be $1,000 more expensive than, like, the... The Ryobi. I mean, you can get, yeah, <laughs> Ryobi, Makita, whatever, you know. I mean, like, those battery ones, too. You can get those outlets. It pulls which, a lot of... Mm. Voltage though, dude. Like it says, like average one hundred, but six hundred max. Hmm. I don't know what those Makita ones are rated at, but like those are the cool like building out tool sets all in one brand. So then if you can just buy like a ton of those batteries and you can just yeah set alarms yeah. on my phone. Like okay. well, speaking of camping, because I threw out my back, I need to get it better before I leave this weekend. Today's Wednesday. I gotta leave Friday morning, so I gotta stand up. I can't sit in this chair any longer. The cameras also just died. I would say, like, is there anything else we want to do before we wrap it up? Thanks for coming out, guys. Yeah, totally, man. Yeah. Man, I'm sorry Matt. I didn't get much uh, more time, dude. Yeah, Matt, you were, know, you were really quiet today. I was curious. I mean, I, it's, it's your guys' podcast. I mean, I'll talk all day, <laughs> but, you know. You do have the voice for it. I should have t- stopped halfway through and said, Matt, why aren't you speaking? <laughs> but, okay. But, like, last time I was on here, it didn't make as much sense, so. It's okay. Um, Damn, Matt, your voice on the mm-hmm. audio sounds like it's like perfect. It's yeah, like way different. Just want Matt's Matt's voice in your you ear, just ASMR, whispering. Sean's available like, for voiceovers, or he can just whisper into you and you try to go to sleep. Well, it needs to be through the. So your next menu, you just gotta have Matt just read it off. Dude, I found a new sweet ASMR Lego building. That's a pretty tight. All right, what was that? I'm out of here. That's cool, but I'm just not into ASMR at all. Neither am I, but I thought it was like a cool ASMR thing. You're right. It is. I'm not into ASMR either, but... All right, we got to go. Grandpa over here needs to go change his ice pack. It's true. All right, I love you guys. Thank you for stepping in. Bye. Bye. Bye.